Been working on your memory verse this week? I gave you an easy one. A few of, a few of you have, okay? So even if, you, even if you haven't been working on it, you'll know part of this one. John 3, verses 16 through 17. Let's all say this together. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. John 3 and verse 16 and 17. And sometimes it's called the golden text of the Bible. Uh, the gospel in miniature. It's probably the most well-known verse in the entire Bible. Uh, at least, not that people know what it is about, but people know what it is. People can tell you what John 3 and verse 16 is. Uh, so, our question is, what does it mean? What does it mean to believe in Jesus? I mean, it's kind of a big deal, isn't it? Because, because Jesus says to Nicodemus here in John chapter 3, if you do believe, you shall have everlasting life. You shall have eternal life. Life in heaven above with the Father. That's a big deal. It's also a big deal if you don't believe. If you're not a believer, then there's no expectation of living. There's no expectation of eternal life in heaven with the Father. So I want to know, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? Well, if you back up a little bit here, here in John's here in John's gospel, you'll, you'll understand that that's exactly what Nicodemus was trying to figure out, right? And we've talked about these things recently, so we won't unpack the whole chapter. But, but if you go back to the beginning of the chapter, the text says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to him by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So, so Nicodemus had already, he, he'd already got the first step of the equation, right? He, had, he obviously understood or believed that there was a God. He was a religious leader. He was someone who had given his life to, to the worship and to following Yahweh and the will of God. He understood that Jesus had some connection to that eternal God. Because the things that you're doing, well, normal men can't do those things. There's something supernatural about the things that, that, that we are seeing, these signs that, that, that you are performing. No one can do these things unless God is with him. But, who is he? Who are you? That's what Nicodemus wants to know. Nicodemus wants to understand. He knows enough to know he need, that he needs to understand more. And sometimes that, that, that's half the battle, right? Knowing enough to know that you need to understand more. So he comes to Jesus and they have this whole interaction and, and it has this, this climactic uh, conclusion with, with these words from John 3, verses 16 through, through 17. Who is Jesus? Well, the very first thing that came, that came into my mind, I thought about Matthew chapter 16. You remember uh, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 14, when Jesus, the text says, came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, saying, 
Who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, it's one thing, how would you ask that question if I asked you, if I put you on the spot, right? Everybody would love that if I just put you on the spot right now. But, but this isn't Wes putting you on the spot. How about if Jesus put you on the spot? How about if Jesus walked up to you and, say, and says, Who am I? Who do you think that I am? Well, they said, well, some say John the Baptist and some Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Yeah, but, but he said to them in verse 15, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He is the Christ. Now, now, to understand exactly what, what that means and what it even would have meant to Peter, we, we, we've got to put ourselves in the mind of, of a Jew to understand who is the Christ? Who is the Messiah? We have to understand that for generations and generations and generations, they have been looking for an individual that God would send. They've been looking for an individual that God would send who was a leader like Moses was a leader. An individual who would sit on the throne of David as David sat on that throne. For, for an individual that God was going to send to deliver them. And, and, and they called him the Messiah. And they looked for the one that God would anoint to deliver them. The Messiah. Well, Messiah is Hebrew. Christ is Greek. means the same thing. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is a title. He is the one, Jesus of Nazareth, whom God has anointed to deliver His people. Matter of fact, if you look at John chapter 1 and verse 41, Jesus finds Himself amongst, amongst the disciples of John the baptizer. And, and amongst, some, amongst some of John's disciples are people like Andrew and Peter, who will be the, who eventually be the apostles. And Andrew, upon being convicted of who Jesus is, the, the text says in John 1, verse 41, that he first went and found his own brother Simon, that's Simon Peter. And he said to them, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. Now, when I say we have found it, we have found him, what does that mean? We've been looking for him. And our parents have been looking for him, and our grandparents have been looking for him, and our great-grandparents. And, and, and as, as, we, as we lived in captivity of, uh, of the Persians, and captivity of the Babylonians, and in captivity of the Assyrians, we have constantly been looking generation after generation in hope against hope that God was going to send us His Son, the Messiah or the Christ. And that's who Jesus is. So, so when Jesus says, Jesus says that if we believe in Him, we shall not perish but have everlasting life, is that is that what he means? We need to know and we need to understand who he is, that he is the Messiah. Well, I would say that you need to know that because everything is going to be based upon that. 
Everything in your life is going to be really based upon the fact of whether or not you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. If you believe that, the implications are, are innumerable. And if you don't believe that, well, the implications are also innumerable. These are life-changing decisions. But, but I would warn you, I would warn you that Christians are not the only people that believe that Jesus is the one sent by God. As a matter of fact, the Bible will tell us that even the demons believe. In James chapter 2 and verse 19, James says, You believe that there is one God? Well, you do well. Congratulations. You guys amen to all those sermons we had last month that there is one God? Well, whether you amen them or not, every demon in the world knows that there's only one God. The devil knows that there's only one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. If you go over in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, you remember Jesus would have these interactions with demon-possessed individuals, and, and one of the ways that He showed His power over all things, even over demonic things, was by the casting out of demonic spirits in the first century. Well, sometimes those spirits would talk to Him. Look here in Matthew chapter 8 and verse, verses 28 through 29. You know the story. The text says that when He had come to the other side, to the country of the, of the Gerasenes, there met Him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly, they, they, these demon-possessed men, cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, the Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? The demons knew exactly who Jesus was. The demons understood He was the Son of God. The demons understood not only is the Creator, but that He is the judge of all. And that one day, their, their eternal fate was already sealed. One day, He would torment them. And their, their concern was, it's not time yet. thought I had another 30 minutes, right? So what are you doing here? Now, you can unpack that on your own time. My point is... That if believing in Jesus as the key to eternal life simply means that we understand the mechanics of acknowledging who He is, well, even the demons believe. I, I, I was listening to someone, I can't remember who it was, but, but, but they said, there will be people who can quote John 3 and verse 16 in hell. It's pretty bold, isn't it? That's pretty bold. But I think it's probably right. Just knowing that Jesus is the Son of God, it's a wonderful thing, but, but, but it's more than that. I would ask the question to you, I'd ask the question to myself, how is your belief any different than the belief of demons? If all I do is acknowledge, yes, I do believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if that's all I do, well, how is your belief any different than the belief of demons? And the answer would be that it's not. So, so what does it mean to say to, that, that we believe in Jesus? Well, go back to John chapter 3. Okay, because I want us to understand that, 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 that the belief that he talks about in John 3 and in other places throughout, throughout the New Testament, the belief that he talks about is a belief that moves us to action. A, 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 belief, a belief that actually causes us to obey his will. 
If you look at the if you look at the end of the chapter there in John three, and this actually works pretty well if you have your Bible out better than the PowerPoint. But 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 you see there on the same page on the left hand side, I've got John three and verse sixteen, and so all of this is in, is in the same chapter in in the same conversation. He comes to the end of the chapter and he says, "Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life." That's John three sixteen, right? It's also John three thirty six. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. If you have a King James or a New King James Version, it says, uh, whoever, do, whoever does not believe. Right? It, it, and by the way, so, so the King James is very poetic. And it's, it's, not, it's not a wrong translation, but, but you miss something in that translation. Because I want you to understand that if you look at the text, the word that is translated believe and the word that is translated obey, they're two different words. They're two different Greek words that, 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 that are there. They're not trying to mislead you in, in the King James Version. It's just, it's just the, their poetic way of, of saying, of trying to get across exactly, exactly what he's saying there. To believe, to believe is to obey. To fail to obey is to fail to believe. We, we talk about... Um, baptism and the part that it that it plays in new testament conversion well as an act of as an act of obedience baptism comes because you believe that jesus is the son of god let me give you a a couple of examples um in in acts chapter in acts chapter 8 where we have the ethiopian eunuch and they're going along and in, in verse 36 he says, as they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered, and he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down to the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. It's almost interchangeable, right? The, the, the idea of, of believing and being immersed, Why? Because if you believe in Jesus, you're going to be baptized. If you don't believe in Jesus, you're not going to be baptized. That's the difference between people who have been immersed and not immersed for the remission of their sins. Accounting that you understand what the Bible says about that. The difference is, do you believe or do you not believe? In Acts Acts chapter 16, you're going to see the same thing. Um, the book of conversion, so baptism is going to be a, 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 big, a big part of this. But in Acts chapter 16... Uh, down around verse, around verse uh, 30 through 34. This is the Philippian jailer. And you remember there was an earthquake and they didn't run and they saved his life and he's so impressed by this. And so the jailer, and the jailer says in verse 30, uh, what must I do to be saved? What did they say? Verse 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And when they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house, they took him that same hour of the night and washed their stripes and immediately, he and all of his family were baptized. Now, when they had brought him into this house, he set food before them and rejoiced, having believed in God with all of his household. So believing is more than just knowing. Believing is something that, that, that ought to impact our feet. It ought to impact the things that we do and the things that we say. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. See, we, we live in this world where everybody, everybody thinks they're going to heaven because they know the name of Jesus. 
People think they're going to heaven because, they, because they're familiar with John 3 and verse 16. But Jesus himself says in Matthew 7 and verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's what belief is. Well, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So, so what, what would cause someone, what, let, let's keep our examples from Acts 8 and Acts 16. What would cause someone to come down the aisle this morning and be baptized into, into Christ? Well, what would cause someone to do that? A belief in Jesus Christ. You, you, you can keep that going in relationship to almost anything. Um, what would cause you, young people, to make a decision that you will only join yourself together with other believers? What would cause you to do that? When you look at the, when, when you look at the, the potential, you know, uh, Tucker, one of these days you're thinking about getting married and this beautiful woman that you're going to be married to and the world's full of them. What would cause you to say, I'm only going to join myself together with a believer? What would cause you to say that? Because a lot of people, by the way, a lot of people, they, don't, they refuse to say that. What would cause you to say that is a belief in Jesus Christ. I believe to the point that it impacts me in regards to the most personal, intimate parts of my life. What would cause you to abstain from alcohol when everybody else was enjoying alcohol? What would cause you to love your enemy and actually physically turn the other cheek? What would cause you to regularly come to Bible class or even to come back to services tonight? What, what, can I tell you what, what would cause you to do that? You believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And, th and that's not just a propositional statement. That's something that changes and impacts every part of your life. The answer is, because I believe in Jesus. Believing is obeying. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what He's saying. Does this change your life? But, but believing is not just obeying, but believing is also trusting. Do you believe in me? If, if I was to say that, what, what, am I, what am I trying to say? Do you trust me? Do you believe in me to do something, to not do something, to take care of this or to take care of that? You believe in me, don't you? Right? Well, do you believe in Jesus? Do, do you believe in his plan or, or in his power or in what he has in store for your life? I thought about Abraham in Hebrews chapter 11. There are lots of examples of this because there are lots of examples of people who trust in Jesus. But, but the text says, by faith, Abraham obeyed, believing and faith, they're very much right, they're very much the same. He obeyed when he was called out to go to the place which he would receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the, and the heirs with him of the same promise. Believing is not, is not just a cold understanding. It's not even just a cold obedience. I think you could actually obey and not believe. 
As a matter of fact, people do it all the time. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 2, right? So, so believing goes beyond disobeying all the way to trusting. When, when I was writing this, I was thinking back to a mission trip that we took to Panama. And, and we, we, I probably told you this before, but it was monumental in my mind. We were going around and, and we came up on these ladies who were sitting outside of their house. It wasn't much of a house. It looked like it might have had a couple rooms and uh, there were no doors on this house. And they were kind of sitting under this little carport area. And we came up and we asked them if they would like to study the Bible with us. And, and they said that they would. Uh, they obviously didn't have much, uh, but they you know, wanted us to sit down. And this, this lady offered me the only chair that she had. It was the only chair that was there. Now, I don't know if you know much about the chairs in Latin America, but many times they could not be the most reliable things in the world. And I took one look at this chair, Kevin, and I thought, I do not need to sit in that chair. I have broken chairs before, okay? Just I'll fess up. Uh, I have broken chairs before. Um, manufactured default, I'm sure. Uh, but, but I thought, I don't need to sit in this chair, but this woman really wanted me to sit in this chair. I, mean, I was like, I was going to offend her if I didn't sit in this chair. So I remember, like, for an entire Bible study, I sat there kind of putting half my weight on that chair. And ha- I mean, I, my calves were, and my, my thighs were just one big cramp by the time we got done with that, with that Bible study. You know why? I didn't believe that chair could hold me. So there was no way that I was going to sit in it. There was no way that I was going to put all my weight into it. There was no way I was going to lean into it. You've you got to believe in something if you're going to lean into it, Right? You're leaning back in your pew right now because you believe that pew is going to hold you. But if you didn't, you wouldn't be leaning back the way you are. What's well, the thing in life? To, to believe means, means that we, we, we lean into Him. We, we, we put all of our weight upon Him. We're going to fall on our face if He doesn't hold us up. But that's okay because I believe He's going to hold me up. What's that got to do with Hebrews chapter 11? Well, do you trust? Do you trust the direction of your life? I mean, these things like, so, so how can you find peace when you've lost your job? How can, you, how can you have hope in a world that seems so hopeless? Everybody got something to be discouraged about? If not, you know, you can turn on the news for about 30 seconds, right? So how can you be a people of hope? Even in the New Testament, how can you, how can you have joy in the face of death itself. That's Hebrews chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. How can you have joy in the face of death itself? He says there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he says, uh, Do not grieve as those who have no hope. How? Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Because I believe in Jesus, that changes. That, that changes how I view the circumstances of my life. It changes how I view the, the things going on around me. It changes how I view death itself. If you believe in Jesus, you should not perish but have everlasting life. To know who He is. To be willing to obey Him wherever He calls you. We talked this morning about Ananias and how Ananias said, Lord, here am I, send me. And then the Lord said, go talk to Saul. And he said, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Are you sure? I don't, know. I don't know if that's what I want to do. We do that all the time. Lord, I- I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that you know more than I know because I-, I believe that you are God and I am not. 
So I listen to your will, even when I don't understand your will. Sometimes I don't appreciate your will. I certainly didn't, wasn't expecting your will. But I know that it's your will, so I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Trusting or believing is trusting. Even as far he'll go on with Abram to talk about trusting him even with the path of our own children. Okay, all the way to the, to the end of, the, of, the, of John's gospel. Right? John 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever, whoever believes shall, shall have everlasting life, but whoever does not obey shall not have, have that life. That's John 3 and verse 36. Right? All the way to the end of John's gospel. And you remember this from last year. What does He say? What is this all about? And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. It's the same thing as John 3.16, right? That's what this is about. So I want to stand up and I want to say, I am a believer in Jesus Christ. And I want that to mean something. I want it to mean something. I want for, for people to look at my life and I want them to say, why do you do that? And I want to be able to say, because I believe in Jesus. This is a challenge for us at this moment. What, what would people look at your life and they would not understand why you were doing what you were doing and you would look them in the eye and you would, said, and you would say, it's because I believe in Jesus. Why do you feel that way? And I want you to look them in the eye and I want you to say, because I believe in Jesus. Well, how come other people don't do those things? Because they don't believe in Jesus? How come, how come people are filled with hopelessness and doubt and their world is falling apart? Well, it has something to do with their disbelief in Jesus as the Christ. So when Jesus says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus comes and says, I mean, you came from God. That's pretty obvious, but, but I, well, I, don't know what to, I don't really know what to make of you. Jesus says, I'm the one sent by God. You believe in me. You believe in me. And that's where you'll find peace. So I'd ask you to come, if you're outside the body of Christ, I would ask you to be baptized into the death of Jesus Christ. If sin is ruling your life, I would ask you to repent and be cleansed by the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. If you have burdens in your life, I would ask you to cast them upon Jesus, the great high priest who came so that he might sympathize with us in our struggles. That's our opportunity to say to the world, to say to, to, say to our families, to say to our God, I believe in Jesus Christ. Friends, if you have a need, you come as we stand and as we sing.